0: Amen. Turn to Matthew chapter 3. We're talking this morning about the fire of God. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 1. We're not going to read all of the chapter. Most people know the story. And if you don't go through and read it, Um, you can go. You have your handout, but you have the full notes at boomerangchurch.org slash notes. And uh, you can pull those up. It says in verse one, now in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now repent, we've turned that into a very religious word, but the word truly means uh, it carries a bit of what we've, you know, Uh, done most people think repenting is at the altar boo-hooing but i've seen a whole bunch of people over the years boo-hoo at the altar and walk out and their life hadn't changed a bit repenting is literally i'm going this direction is saying recognizing i'm going the wrong direction making a 180 degree turn and heading that direction heading towards god Right? It's going to the Lord and saying, Lord, I have missed it. I ask you to forgive me. I now believe that you are faithful and just. And if I confess my sin, you are faithful and just to forgive me of all unrighteousness. And I'm going the other way and I will not turn back. That's repenting. In other words, it's changing the way that you did things with a heart that has godly sorrow in it. You know, a lot of people are sorry when they get caught in something, you know. Um, (laughs) There's a lot of times what will happen is people will come up, you know, they got caught and they'll come up and say somebody and say, I'm sorry. And they're not really sorry. They're not really going to change their way. They just wish they hadn't gotten caught. They wish they wouldn't be now in the situation And so a lot of people think that that's sorrow, but the Bible says that godly sorrow brings about repentance. In other words, if you're truly sorry, then what happens is if you're moving in godly sorrow, you will repent. In other words, you will change. So if you have somebody that says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and I'm sorry carries on for months and years, they're not sorry. They're in worldly sorrow, and that has to deal with, I got caught, I'm getting the light shining on me, and my weaknesses are being exposed. And it's more that, I'm sorry that you're seeing my weaknesses, is more than the godly sorrow, which says, now I'm changing. Change is the marker, is the fruit of godly sorrow. Change is the marker or the fruit of godly sorrow. So he says here, uh, John says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is what, he, what his message was. So he was, it was not just he was saying, hey, you bunch of sinners, you need to fix yourself. He was saying, change your way of thinking in this hand, in this particular sense, listen to this. He says, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, what's he saying? He's saying, You've been thinking the kingdom of heaven is coming one way, but you're not, you're missing the whole point. Change your way of thinking about the kingdom. Change your way of thinking. In other words, a lot of times what's happening is we're up here asking forgiveness. For our sins, but the whole point is it's not that we sin, it's that we've been thinking wrongly about the kingdom. If we think right about the kingdom, that would cause us not to sin. But because we're not thinking right about the kingdom and who's the source. And who gets the glory? Then we deceive ourselves and we move into the place where we thought at the moment that sin was okay. And then all of a sudden it comes out and that it's not okay. Our thoughts are not wrong necessarily uh, about you know, the sin itself. The root of it is our thoughts are wrong towards the kingdom. For example... It's like this. If I know that God loves me so much, how many people have ever done something you knew it wasn't God's way? Everybody's hand ought to be raised. Amen. Glory to God. So if we've ever done something like that, what happens is we've we've heard that God is good and that he loves us enough to give us his own son. But I don't trust you enough in this area to go your way. I think it's better this way. My thinking towards the love and the kingdom of God is off or I wouldn't think that way. I'd think I really want to go this way. The world's telling me to go this way. My, you know, everybody thinks that I ought to do this, but God's saying do this. Lord, I trust you over me, over them, over everything else. My thinking is right towards the kingdom, the king's domain. I'm going to find more solution in the domain or the rule of the king than I will in the logic of the earth all of a sudden what does that do that keeps me out of sin and puts me into the blessing so john's not just saying you know get rid of your sin he's saying change your thinking and then jesus comes along and he says look you're looking for the kingdom you're looking for you're looking for somebody to come in here and wipe out the roman army and jesus says the kingdom's within you He's like, you already got this this stuff inside of you. Change the way you're thinking about it. In other words, Jesus later on says, all this stuff's about to happen. When I go to the cross and then I go in the grave and then I rise up again, all of a sudden you stop being a fallen creation and you start to be children of God most high. When you recognize your identity as a child of God, you, you, well, oh, oh, I'm a child. Oh, excuse me. I did. Let me. Let, I, I shouldn't be doing that. A king's son wouldn't be doing that. So he says, repent. Stop thinking like that. You know who you are in Christ. You. I'm talking to you. Even the person watching. Hey, I'm talking to you. Amen. And even if you're not a child of God, you can be right now. Just accept Jesus as Lord. Confess him as Lord and believe in your heart that he died for you and God brought him back to life for you. You receive salvation and righteousness right there. You become right in the eyes of God. Just like that in that moment. All of a sudden, you are a child of the king. The word says you are kings and priests. Would y'all think it's funny if you if you went down to Applebee's and I was just drinking a beer? Everybody got quiet and they're like, "What? <laughs> what if you saw me at the bar drinking a mixed drink? What would you, would you think that was odd for me to do? Why? Yeah." But why would you think it's funny? Would you think, how about if after service gets over, I just walk right out the door right out there and I just start to light up, light up a cigarette. Hey, y'all, thank y'all for coming today. (laughs) (laughs) What if I did it? What would you think about it? You think you messed up. Yeah. yeah. Be I'd be wrong. <laughs> Why would I be wrong? Because you're a man of God. I'm a man of God. That's right. right. But if you're a child of God, you're now also a man of God too. That's right. That's right. That's right. So see, so many times we apply it there, but because we don't know our identity, it becomes okay for us because our mindset towards the kingdom of God is off. So we'll look at a man of God and we'll be like, you can't do that. You can't do that. Then why do you get to do it? (laughs) Amen. What? See, this is what he's saying. And John was sent to change the way of thinking. Well, that's not the message, but it sure was for five minutes anyway. He said, all right. I'm going to preach over here to you. Amen. Amen. He says, he told them to stop saying, he says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance in verse eight. And, And he says this in verse nine, don't suppose that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham for our father. For I can say to you from these stones, God is able to raise up children of Abraham. In other words, what he's saying is, don't tell me that you are a Christian. Don't just tell me you go to church so everything's okay. He's like, look, I'll turn those little boards into children of God and they'll start praising me and living better than you are. Don't use that as an excuse. Well, I'm born again. Whoop-dee-doo, where's your fruit? So what's he doing now? uh, This is very important because John is preparing the people for a move of God. And you come down later and let's go on. He says, look, the ax is already laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. As for me... I baptize with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. Talking about Jesus. And I am not fit to remove his sandals. I'm not fit. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He will baptize you. Now, baptize means. To completely immerse, overwhelm. So in other words, if we're not completely immersed with the Holy Spirit, we miss something. Because he says he will do it. So if we're not completely immersed, it's not God who's not going to do that. That's on us. We're missing something. But then he also says he will not only baptize you with the Holy Spirit, but he will baptize you with fire. Now you notice in Acts chapter 2, a lot of people think that he baptized with the fire there in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit fell. But if you go and read it, it doesn't say anything except that they had tongues of fire there. But it didn't say that he baptized. It says, and they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you that God doesn't mix words up. If he didn't say they were baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire, they were only baptized with the Holy Spirit. But he tells us here that he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So there's another baptism. And when you're baptized with fire, you are lit up for God. And there's reason, there's purpose for that. There's reason for for both of them. There's reason for water. There's reason for the Holy Spirit baptism. There's reason for fire baptism. And as a Christian, we truly need all three. But most people, you know... You get them into the water and that's where they stop in the, in the church, honestly. And we're not like that around here. I mean, we believe in the baptism and we get people filled and baptized in the Holy Ghost all the time. But we also need to move to the place where the fire of God is active. And then he says this. And so that was verse 11. And then he says, his winnowing fork is in his hand. And he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor, and he will gather his wheat into the barn, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Now, what's important here is that you understand uh, the winnowing fork, my understanding of it is they would, they would harvest the wheat, and then they'd bring it in, and they would basically... Uh, uh, You know, like stomp on it, or they'd tread it out basically. It would separate the kernels of wheat, and then the chaff was like the stalks. And they'd take a big fork, looks like a pitchfork, they'd throw it up in the air, and the stalks would blow away, and it would leave just the kernels of wheat. And it was a way of separating. The two, right? And so he's saying, Look, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Why? Because he's in the process right now of separating who really is on fire for God and who isn't. He's in the process. He's looking for someone whose heart is pure so that he can show himself strong on their behalf. He's looking for you, but you make the choice of whether or not I will be on fire or I will be cold or I will be lukewarm. And he says, look, don't be cold and don't be lukewarm. Be on fire with God. And he says, look, don't make any jokes about this. You think, uh, you think that just because you go to church, everything's okay. It's not okay. He can make these stones rise up and give him praise. He can make the children of Abraham out of these stones. Why is just going to church okay? We have a responsibility When my thoughts are right in the kingdom as a child of God to step into the place where he throws me up in the air. And all I do is fall back down because I'm solid. I'm on fire with God. I'm a part of the fruit that Jesus sowed himself for. I'm a part of the fruit. I'm not playing games. I'm not lukewarm, I'm not cold, and I'm not okay just because I go to church. I need to make a change of the heart that says, I will be everything that God's called me to be, and I will live out everything that He's paid for me to be. I will do that. And we need to make that choice. I will do that. I will be who God's called me to be. I will be that and that's for each one of us individually it's also for us as a church who will we be this is what we faced last year last year i faced the point you know where uh, oh yes pastor amos from nigeria some of y'all remember him he sends his love and his greetings and he gave me an african suit and it and it looked good did you see it you guys see it it's awesome Luke said I was a dentist. It made me look like a dentist. <laughs> it's a white suit. So that was funny. I, man, I felt, I felt awesome in it. It was great. But anyway, he seen, uh, sends his love. Well, it was funny because it was at that point, the Lord had, the Lord had been dealing with me about you know, just going after the Lord. And you know, what would happen is I would go to a conference or something. And, and what would happen? Because of my hunger, what happens when you get hungry? Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall be filled, right? The hungry soul, he will fill, he will will feed, right? So I would hunger, I would go to some people that are moving in the things of God. Well, what's going to happen if I'm hungry? I'm going to get filled. I didn't just talk about it. I took action. I stepped out into it. And when I'd take action, faith without works is dead. I'd apply works to what I believe. I'd apply faith to my hunger. And I'd take a step toward it. I'd go to a conference. I'd get filled up. I'd come back. Everybody would be looking at me. Y'all are not really looking at me like this. But during that period of time, I'd be like, yay, preacher. If, if I got that much, it was impressive. You know, and that's the way people would look. And I'd be like, glory to God, hallelujah, you know, Shonda or whatever, you know, and and I'd be preaching, but it, you know, it'd just be kind of dry, almost like I'd preach and it'd hit a wall and come back to me, you know, cow at a new gate. Well, as a leader, I've got to break through that. I can't leave that. But in order to break through that, that means I got to really, it's got to become a part of me. I need to be on fire for, the God, for God more than anybody in this church. I need to be going after him and hungry for him more than anybody. I got, I got to lead the way. Maybe you'll beat me in that hunger, hunger one day or two. But ultimately, for the most part, I need to lead the way in hunger and humility towards God. And humility is not going up and saying, well, I was on fire for God and they didn't receive it. And so, oh, well, it must not be God. No, no, I have a responsibility, according to the Bible, to be on fire for God. And that means that if I'm truly on fire, there will be fruit of that fire that comes out. There will be life that is produced. And so then the thing about it is I was talking to my pastor this morning, Pastor Gene, and I said, you know, if somebody is cold, that's easy for people to reject. In other words, if you got somebody that you work with and they go, hey, we're gonna have this uh, get together over at my house in a few days. And uh, you know, we're just gonna be like worshiping Satan and like cutting the head off of something and sacrificing, but come on over, we'll have fun. Well, if you hear that, that's easy for you to say for most people, it's easy for most people to say, no, I don't think I'm gonna do that. It's pretty simple because cold is pretty easy to reject. Lukewarm, however, think about a bathtub. How do you want that bath if you're going in there for a cow gone moment? All right. you, want it, you want it warm but bearable, right? Warm but bearable, just hot enough where it's not burning you. But lukewarm, and, and once you get in there, I mean, you feel like just jumping right out, or are you ready to sit there for a few minutes? You see, and he says, I wish that you were hot or cold, but don't be lukewarm, or I will spew you out. In other words, he placed cold above lukewarm. Lukewarm's the bottom. Why? Because lukewarm will lull you to sleep. A lot of Christians are having a Calgon moment their whole life. And they need to wake up. They need to let the fire of God find them. They need to hunger after God and they need to humble themselves to that. And so what I went through was a process of humility. Lord, I'm trying to be on fire, but it's not being received by everybody. Well, and then the Lord would basically answer me like this. Did I tell you to do it or not? Yeah, you told me to be it, but they don't like it. It doesn't look like it's growing. He's like, and so I'm like torn. This happened for years. A foot in both worlds. It stunk. It's a horrible place for a Christian to be. But see, I was facing that because the heat of God and the fire of God, it causes you to make a decision. That's the thing about the fire of God. Because as soon as you get around somebody that has the fire of God on them, it starts forcing you to make some decisions about what you really believe and who you're going to be. Some of you are already feeling that this morning. Man, this is stretching me. This is causing me to get uncomfortable. Glory to God. That makes me happy. Why? Because it's the best thing for you. Make a decision. That's why we tell people for the most part, you know, we know who we are as a church. We're on fire for God. We want to see his normal If you're looking for that and you're ready to grow, you're in the right place. Glory to God, will welcome you and love on you. If you don't know what you want yet, stick around. Maybe you will come to a decision point, a, a place where you have to choose. And if it's not for you, fine. We'll pray for you to uh, find the church, the place where God wants you planted. We understand that not everybody's there. But the heat of God and the fire of God will draw you to a decision point. And So what we were seeing is, as I'm coming back with the fire of God on me, and I'm getting more and more revved up as the months tick by, as the years go by. I'm, I'm getting more and more revved up. I'm finding who I am. I'm, place, I'm, I'm having to humble myself because I have to choose. Am I going to go after a cold crowd and and bow to what they want? Or do I have a responsibility to go after the word of God? To me, humility, there's no choice between that. But that means that you're going to get persecuted by the cold crowd. And sure enough, we had people leave for that. But you've got to have the fire of God in your life. There's no other choice because God has told you to be on fire for him. You know, he doesn't want you to be cold, but he says, look, be hot or cold, but don't be lukewarm. And you have got to make a choice. And the Lord says, look, you'll lose some people by being on fire, but I'll send people who are hungry. Amen. How many people, God said, I've been looking for somebody that would push me to be hungry and be on fire. How many people would say that? Amen. Because inside of you, in your spirit, you're going, I was created for this. But let me, let me tell you, that puts your flesh on the line. Jesus said, you will be persecuted. Nobody was persecuted more than Jesus. He said, you will have this. You will have persecution. When you get on fire and you do this right, you'll have persecution. Anybody honestly had, had somebody maybe look at you funny because you went to boomerang? Glory to God. That's an awesome thing. You know why? Because you have a church that's moving in the love of God and the fire of God. That means that you're willing to take a step out and be that. Just this week, I heard I was actually going to show it to you because I'm I, I am thrilled about it, honestly. <laughs> uh, had a phone call earlier this week. He said, did you know we're on a, site, a website telling us that you are savage wolves? And I was like, I am. We are. Yeah. They said, us and a couple other churches in uh, Albemarle. I was like, who are they? I want to give them a high five. I'm excited about that. You know, yeah, it says, when you are persecuted for my name's sake, blessed are you. You tell me another ministry in the county that's got over 320 people won to the Lord this year. There's not many of them, I can tell you. That's a short list. You tell me how many people have had over six hundred eighty thousand dollars worth of debt erased. You show me how many have gotten people filled with the spirit and hungry to share Jesus so that you can have. And what's the souls are important. You know what I'm I'm really happy about with the souls is the hunger that's on the inside of them. The change in people's minds where they've said, I need to be telling people about my Jesus enough to get to 320 souls saved. That number you need right now to be thinking, how do we get to 500 before the year's over? How do we lead that many people to the Lord before the year's over? Because it's not gonna come just through me, it's gotta be through us. But see, the devil doesn't like that. All that means is you've gotten on the devil's radar. Jesus I know, Paul I know, who are you? Praise God. I've had, there was a demon manifested one time and the demon said, don't call Brian. I'm like, hallelujah, he knew my name, glory to God. Glory to God. I was like, that just, let's go. Where are you at? (laughs) Let's go right now. I want to be known by God. And by demonic forces that Jesus has allowed me to take part in their butt whooping. I want to be known by that. You should want to be known by it too. Because that's what you're called to do. Jesus was manifested to destroy the works of the enemy. And he said, the same way that I'm sent, you're sent too. That's right. The same way I'm sent, you're sent. We need to walk in the fire of God. I was going to say about that website, you ought to go check it out. Read through it. If it causes doubt to rise up in you, then you, ought to, you need to get the resolve on the Lord. He brings you to a place. See, most people would be like, oh, don't tell nobody about that. I'm going to put it up on there. (laughs) I'm happy about it. He says, blessed we are if we're persecuted for his name's sake. Why do you think persecution's coming? And one of the comments I heard back, I don't like how Brian comes back to conference and he's got all this, this, you know, this, you know, I don't remember what the exact word was. But basically, he's talking about the fire of God. I'm like, oh, well, let's just sit in church and just. You know, not have any passion whatsoever and have no fire, no joy. Man, freedom's coming in this place. Lives are being set free. Things are happening. Things are changing. You have to decide who you are. And John preached it like this. Change your way of thinking about the kingdom. Change your way. Of thinking, And Jesus said, change your way of thinking. The kingdom is within you. In other words, let the power of God flow through you and out of you and set you on fire. Amen. Let the fire of God raise up on the inside of you and do what it was created to do. Amen. Let the love of God manifest something in you that brings about the power of God. Well, I don't want to be weird. Well, that's the problem. Yeah. I mean, I don't try to be weird just for weird sake, but I'm well aware it's going to happen. And I'm okay with that because when it comes to humility, I can either humble myself to a corrupted world and, and look normal to the world or God can know my name. That's what I love about the story of Stephen when he sits. Man, they're throwing rock." Because when you get in the midst of a situation that you need the power of God, you don't want the world to know your name. You want God to know your name. You want him, you want your name to be written in his mind and on his heart. And there's Stephen because he's getting stoned. He's becoming the first martyr of the church. He's not even feeling the rocks. He needed supernatural provision in that moment. And when he looks up, he doesn't even feel those rocks coming at him. He looks up and says, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of the Father. You are called to that. You are called to that. Close your eyes right now. You are called to be on fire like that. Where the fire of God hits you. Where the fire of God motivates you. Where the fire of God changes you. You're a child of God. And if you're not, you can be. And if you feel like that relationship's been off, you can fix it just like that right now. Just say it. Just say, Jesus, help. Thank you. Help me, Lord. Help me be on fire for you. I'm willing to put down my reputation. I'm willing to put down the flesh. I'm willing to humble myself to you over people. I count my reputation in front of people to be lost and worth nothing. But to be known by you. Lord, that's what I want. Help me. Just say this right now. And just say, Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. You direct me. You might direct me to do something that looks weird. But I'm willing to follow you over them. I believe that you died for me. And that you rose again. And when he raised you up. And brought you back to life. He empowered me to be brought up to. And I'm, now a child of God. and I'm now a child of God. And my relationship with you. And my relationship with you. It's, solid. it's solid. And it's fixed. And it's fixed. Right now. Right. In, Jesus name. in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Uh, you know right then that what happened after that in John and Matthew chapter 3. Jesus goes down. John says I'm not even fit to. Unloose his sandals. He walks down. Jesus comes down to the river. John says, this is him. This is the man I'm talking about right there. He's the one. He's the Messiah. He goes, I I need to be baptized by you, Jesus. I need to be baptized by you. This This is the one who will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Jesus said, no, no, no. I need to be baptized with you, by you. To fulfill all righteousness. What an honor on John! Oh my gosh! Never thought about that. What an honor! Baptizes Jesus. Mm. Up comes Jesus out of the water. The Spirit of God. Like a dove, it wasn't a dove, but like a dove, sins on Jesus. Then Jesus prays. In Luke, it tells us he prays. Jesus prays. And the heavens that had been closed over mankind. The heavens that had been closed because of sin and a lack of righteousness. The power of God. The salvation of God. The kingdom of God. Of God, The king's domain, the king's rule, Jesus prayed for it to be opened and the kingdom of God opened its doors to humanity again. And from that moment, Jesus started walking in the power of God and the love of God became manifest in the earth again. And now the love of God, the fire of God, the manifested presence of God is longing to continue to be manifest in the earth. But it doesn't come through a physical Jesus on the earth. It comes through his hands and his feet, the body of Christ. It comes through you, if you will participate. But the same process... The same process that happened through John and Jesus is what needs to happen to you. John was sent to prepare a way to make the paths straight. To change our way of thinking about the kingdom. This is not who God's called me to be. In order to walk and have the the heavens opened up to me and in my life so that the people around me I've got to set aside what's not fitting for a child of God. I've got to make his way straight into my life. I need Jesus to come straight into me. I've got to set aside those things. I've got to prepare and I've got to be willing to take the persecution for being on fire for God. That's not fitting. A king is willing to stand up and be the king's voice even if nobody else agrees with him. Even if people leave. I told, uh, I told Shay the other day, we were talking, he says, I think I'm supposed to come. I said, man, if I can talk you out of it, I will. Did I not say that? I said, because I'm not looking for people that just want to come because God's moving uh, only. I'm looking for people that want the fire of God living in their life. And I'm willing to let people go if they're intimidated by the persecution They're intimidated by what they might call weird. God's not necessarily weird. It's just our thinking is weird. So it's kind of like this. God's like, why are you calling that weird? That's me. It's not God who needs to come down to our normal. It's us who need to raise our thinking up to his. The Lord challenged me several years ago when this started occurring and I started seeing people leave because of the fire of God. I brought up Pastor Amos before because when he came back, he was praying over people and he was blowing on people (laughs) like that and people were falling out. And while uh, some people were complaining, other people were saying, I have never felt God like that. So it has a lot to do with the condition of your heart and your eyes of spiritual vision. Some people are complaining about it. I I, I posted something a few weeks ago, and I'm I'm still, you know, I didn't repent. I didn't change it. I didn't repent over it. I said, look, there were two miracles that happened that day. In the same day, somebody grabbed their stuff and basically ran out of the church like they're running from the church. And it was basically because of tongues because they didn't like tongues. And um, if they just stuck around, I'd uh, help them with that. I'll talk to you about that and everything. But before they could ever get that, they'd been taught wrong, it sounded like, about tongues. But they went up, and I posted, I said, uh, you know, two people, uh, two people got miracles that day. That was the day the lady's arm wasn't raised around here, and then she, by the end she was doing that. And uh, two people got miracles. There was something else that happened during the service. And uh, meanwhile, people are running out of the service because of what religions taught them, because it was out of their circle of knowledge and comfort. So instead of humbling yourself to see and go after the scriptures and getting the word for yourself, you're complaining and running from something that actually has the hand of God on it. So, you know, I'm okay with that because I made the decision. The Lord really challenged me in something. He said, are you, are you raising up a group of people who just sit there and amen you all the time? Or are you raising up some people who can do something for the kingdom of God? As a leader, I don't have a choice in that. You know, and we were figuring that out as a leadership team. Like, what are we supposed to do? That's why, yeah, this is one of the things. I was just obedient to the Lord. To like push services, uh, Deb, you can you can remember this. Um, the Lord started telling me I'd get done. I don't look at the clock too much. I'm looking at it right now, but um, I don't look at the clock too much anymore because the Lord, He, what He did was I'd get to I'd be done. I'm done preaching, and I knew the Holy Spirit said preach longer. I'm like they're already disconnected, Jesus. They're already not here. He said, preach longer. And it looked harsh. But it's not. It was preparing the hearts of a people. My, my God, if you can't stretch your flesh for 30 minutes, how in the world are you going to take authority over a demon? Yeah. Yeah. If you can't stretch your flesh out. How long was the longest service we were in this week? It was a six. Sick- There was a six-hour service. Did it feel like six hours? No. No. But why? Because the power of God was there. Now, I haven't always operated at the same level that Dr. Rodney operates in, obviously. That's why I'm connected with him, because he's operating at higher levels. But I do desire to move into a place where this thing becomes real. And you look around, and like I didn't even realize today, like it's 1235 now, but I had... I was like, golly, is it that already? Because time will, once you start moving in something real, it doesn't feel like that. And if, if uh, people don't have enough heart to honor God, to stay that long, how in the world are they going to go into the places of persecution where they start writing about you on the internet? You can't, even, you can't even take the persecution for 30 minutes. So I didn't know what the Lord was doing at the time, but he just told me to keep on, keep on trucking. And for about six months, it was like every couple of weeks, I'd look up. It'd be time to go, according to everybody else's internal clock. And, and the Lord, the Holy Spirit would say, go longer. Man, it was more pressure on me. Y'all weren't looking at you. I was looking at you. <laughs> I was looking at the faces. I'm like, golly, I'm sweating. I'm like getting hot. And it wasn't the fire of God. It was the intimidation of people. It was the pressure... Of humanity. So I had to decide. Which pressure. Am I going to yield to. I had to decide. Which one am I to move to. Lord I want your fire. I want your fire. Or well, you're not going to get it. By yielding. To the pressure of a corrupted world. You're going to get it by yielding to the love and the commandment of Almighty God. So this applies to us as a church, but it also applies to us individually. What I didn't realize was the Lord was preparing us to go into a place where what happened what happens when you do that? What happens when you allow the Lord to put his finger like Hebrews 12:11, will you put that up Hebrews 12:11? What happens when you allow the the Lord to put his finger on an issue in your life? What happens when you, when you humble yourself and you back out of the way and you allow God to say, this is what you need right here. And when he touches that area of your flesh, your flesh goes, ah, no, you know, it's like turning the light on with roaches, you know, and they're like, Bah-shoo! you know, and your flesh just wants to be a little child. And, and we're like, I don't like that place. I don't like that church. Why? It ain't the church, brother. (laughs) It's undisciplined flesh. How are you going to move into the place of an open heaven and the fire of God and the fullness of the Holy Spirit if you don't make a way straight? How are you going to do, do that if you don't prepare the way in your heart for Jesus to come in and be the Lord? Be the director of your life. All discipline for a moment seems, seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. But understand, this is not sometimes, this is all the time. All the time to your flesh, we know it's talking about your flesh. All the time to your flesh, discipline from the Lord seems to not be joyful. But without it, you don't move into open heavens. Without it, you don't move into the fire of God. Without it, you stay cold and lukewarm, which he commanded you directly not to be. So we've got to open up our heart and our mind to the discipline of the Lord. Because he also says, those who I love, I will discipline. So at what point is the discipline, does he love you? At what point is discipline going to stop? Not going to happen because he loves you. Because he loves you. But if we'll yield to it, it will produce the peace of righteousness. I got so much peace and ministering today. So much joy. Why? Because we know what we're doing. We know who we are. We know what we're after. And we're okay if people write about us. Actually, we rejoice and shout. Dr. Rodney this past week is the funniest thing. Oh, my goodness. He said something about Hollywood. Basically, Hollywood's unraveling. He talked about, you know, sacrificing and forcing their children to drink blood. Now, if you didn't see the context of that, there's some nasty stuff going on in Hollywood. He's well aware of it. To the regular public, that seems like it's a harsh statement. What he's doing is he's being the alarm clock that God's called him to be to tell people, wake up, what's happening in Hollywood is the ungodliness is unraveling. They're turning on themselves and eating eating each other. Well, the Huffington Post watched that, which is pretty awesome if you think about it, because Huffington Post is pretty much not a godly publication. I would say they're calls, their core values doesn't have Jesus in it, I would say. And uh, that's just my opinion. It doesn't have to be yours, but I would say that. I'm missing it. Uh (laughs) And uh, so then he goes, He came out the last night and he said, we welcome everybody who's watching by live stream and and Huffington Post. Thank you for joining in because they had been watching the service and he pulled up. He pulled up the article and he was like, I'm really happy about. They think they were tearing them down. He's like, that's exactly what I said. They didn't twist it. They said what I said. Glory to God. They even they even spelled my name right. Why? It's bringing light exactly what God told him to say. Right. That doesn't bother me. The more I thought about that this week, the happier I got. <laughs> Glory to God. I'm probably going to make a post about it. Why? Because most people are like, oh, how do we get our name off that list? You know, somebody sent me a list and they were like, you've got to watch out for these guys. These guys, it was right before Dr. Rodney came and his name was on the list along with some other. I'm like, I want to be on that list. I was like, why in the world, you know, these are people that some of them, not every, um, not every one of them, but these are people that are going after God and they love them with all their might. I was watching. So, you know, I went up to, um, you know, it, it, people are still people. They still, you know, in James five fourteen, it says that we have a flesh that Elijah had a flesh and he was. He had to deal with the same stuff that everybody else did. He was a normal man. He was a man. He had, he had issues, right, to deal with and work through. And yet the power of God, through him, stopped the rain on the earth for three and a half years. And then the power of God, through him, uh, caused it to rain again. And he was a normal man. Well, Pastor Rodney's a normal man. He's got stuff he has to deal with too. One of my favorite things he says is, uh, he, he says, you know, you, uh, you mess with me. I might, you know, some, something along the lines of you mess with me and you, know, you might have some trouble. I might, you might, uh, I might knock you or something. I forget exactly what he says. He says, and people say, well, that's not like Jesus. He said, I'm not Jesus. I never claimed to be. And even if I'm trying to go after him, you might catch me on a bad day. <laughs> he says I'm trying to become more like him, but I ain't there yet. Well, I get that. Anyway, the point is, here we are. I was up in his office the other day, and um, after the service, getting ready to come home. We're talking, just joking around, relaxing. It was a long day. It was like 1 o'clock in the morning after the service. And um, we are telling some jokes and different things, and Jonathan Shuttlesworth was picking on them, and... um, He was saying, yeah, Dr. Rodney, I was going to tell you, you might need to ease off. You might call some people to leave your meetings, (laughs) which is funny because people do that all the time. So he knows that Dr. Rodney's okay with that. Exactly the same way I was talking about it. And um, they laughed about that, and they said different things. Within a few minutes, Dr. Rodney was pulling up songs that had been played in the revival back in the 90s. There was a lady that was there. And had gotten really on fire for God. And the anointing of God in her music had come out. And he just started playing it and listened to it. Kind of went into his own little world. Him him and Jesus. Just the love of God. He was talking about how how God wanted to reach people and touch people and move on them. Now, I've been, in, I've been with him before when he wasn't talking about Jesus. He was talking about, you know, something that was going on in the world or something like that. But then here he is, man, his heart, is purity of heart and love to see the things of God It's so good. And yet you've got people that they'll, you know, like I said earlier, they'll pick on Joe Osteen, who's one of the most loving people on the planet. People are going to find something wrong with you one way or the other. Jesus never actually messed up at all. Never messed up. Never missed it. And they killed him. People are going to take issue with you. The question is, will they take issue with you on the right things? Come on. Because you've yielded to the Holy Spirit and to God. And you've got the love of God that's coming through you. And not take issue with you because you gave in to the world. And and regardless of that, I want God to be okay with me. If the whole world turns, but God's okay with me, that's what we're after. Well done, good and faithful servant. But that's the fire of God.